Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. I'm seeing a little noise out of New York that the Jets are trying to trade Le'Veon Bell, which makes sense because he hates it there. <laughs> and why wouldn't he? Um, and they're, I mean, destroying whatever it is that he is supposed to be in the National Football League because the um, brilliant offensive mind that uh, runs the Jets' offense has never had any idea whatsoever what to do with him. We need to do a little looking into that, Nuno. Let's see if we can get one of our NFL insiders up and see what they have on that because we are approaching what could be an interesting trade deadline and for thoughts all around the National Football League, as promised, here's the big swagoo, Marcus Spears. Hello again, Marcus. Gee, what's up, my brother? Well, let, let's go over some of the territory that we covered this morning for folks who were not with us. And let's start with last night's game, which I think was interesting from both sides. Um, I shared your view that the Saints right now, despite their win, do not look like a Super Bowl team. They don't look like one of the best teams in the NFC. But they have enough names on the backs of the jerseys that give you confidence that they can. When it's all said and done, what do they need to do to become the team that you know they fancy themselves to be before this season is up? Gee, first things first, they got to figure out they back in on defense, man. They, they cannot stop anything right now defensively um and like you said it's perplexing because supposedly this is one of the better secondaries in the league um obviously cam jordan is up front uh trey Hendricks is starting to ascend as a d lineman so they have guys that can get after the passer is my point but it just seems like they are so not in sync i mean it's marshall Lattimore is supposed to be a top corner obviously they didn't have janoris jenkins but man they I, it's it's almost a head-scratcher. Before the season started, Mina Kimes um, told me that that was one of the better secondaries in the league. And Ryan Clark said the same thing. And if you look at, to your point, if you look at the name cachet and bringing over Malcolm Jenkins was supposed to solidify and shore them things up. Because you remember I talked about how the tight ends had been killing the Saints in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, that year when Kittle went down, they had Chauncey Gardner-Johnson um, checking him. Then they had Rudolph in the end zone in the playoff game against Minnesota. And it was like, that's that's why Malcolm Jenkins was brought in. But, gee, they are not getting it done. People are scoring their will, throwing the ball over their head. They're having miscommunication problems. they losing one-on-one. Um, for all intents and purposes, they should have lost that game last night because Mike Williams, Mike Williams made – a dynamic play over Lattimore. And Lattimore came back and redeemed himself with that tackle and stopped. But it, it, it is one of the mind-boggling things about the NFL right now, man. Um, you can you can look at the Saints offense and see that they'll continue to get better and they'll be okay. And obviously they playing without Michael Thomas. But the defense has been an Achilles heel, man. And they did not plan for that to be the case this year. And that, that's all right. And then on the offensive side, how do you figure the Thomas thing? I, I talked to both off the air to both Rex and Jeff Saturday, and both of them were saying this has to be something either very big or repeated, which is to say if, if two guys get into it at practice one time and it's an isolated, isolated incident and one guy throws a punch, especially if he's the best player on the team, he's not getting benched for that. So how do you figure the situation with Michael Thomas, and how big a deal, as you look at that team, do you think it is? Gee, let me tell you something, man. All right, and I, 
you know me. I'm 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 gonna keep it one hundred with you every time. Mm-hmm. Michael Thomas ain't healthy fully. Like it's convenient to say that he had a fight in practice and threw a punch, but Michael Thomas got a high ankle sprain. And if Michael Thomas was a hundred percent and could be in that game and play effectively without using this excuse to rest another week, he would have been in the damn game. I've been mm-hmm. around this league too long. You've been around this league too long to know damn well the best wide receiver in football, arguably, being out because he threw a punch in practice is bull crap. All right? <laughs> I done seen fights happen during the week. I done seen punches thrown. This is why I was playing with Bill Parcells, Wade Phillips, Jason Garrett. I done seen him in training camp, weeks leading up to a game. I done seen it all. And ain't nobody got suspended, especially an elite player like Michael Thomas. It's fine. And, and look, Sean Payton can say I'm sending that message. High ankle sprains take longer than three weeks. That's the bottom line. If he was 100% and they were playing Tampa, Michael Thomas would have been on the field. You know, I, I think you're absolutely right. And, and it's funny because I asked Rex Ryan about that, and he was saying it would have to be a very big deal for a player that good. And I said, what if it was Darrell Revis? And he just said, Revis is playing. <laughs> no matter yeah. what happens, yeah. Revis is playing. Yeah. You, and that's who, you, know, yeah. you know that, man. We, like, like, we have to stop. Like, we can't buy into it. Come on, man. Like, that, that is just, we talked about the struggles of the Saints offense. We talked about all of that stuff. And, gee, I'm saying this, and, and, and I could be wrong, but I ain't. Michael Thomas ain't played because he wasn't 100%, and they felt like they can get this win, and he'll be back next week. Because it's another week of rest. It's another week of Marcus Spears with us on the uh, Shell Pennzoil performance line. Uh, Greeny on ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. One more on last night's game. Uh, I can't remember now where you were on Justin Herbert leading up to the draft. Marcus, like so many, was with me every day leading up to the draft. And for those of you who don't remember, Marcus now, of course, one of the hosts of NFL Live every weekday on ESPN at 4 Eastern. But you were covering college football for us up until this season. So you were as in tune to the, the draft as anybody. What did you think of Herbert? Remind us, coming in. And so far, what have you seen from him in these four starts? Gee, I thought he was a good player and very underwhelming based on what his talent skill, talent level was. But mm-hmm. I did think he was a good player, and I thought he could. Tra- I thought his game would translate to the NFL because I saw Josh Allen. I mean, let's be honest; those that's two of the guys in the same bank. Big physical, um, under the right situation, right coaching. Justin Herbert was going to transition into being a really good quarterback, and that's what he's been. And people got to remember too. Mario Cristobal offense in Oregon was based on the run. That wasn't no air it out, just go crazy yardage down the field. And he had some bad performances. Um, the inaccuracy wasn't crazy to me. I think he was like 65, 64% in college. He's 69 right now, which is he's playing great. Um, but he had the tools. He had he had the things that you look for as a quarterback. He had, a, he had a great game against Arizona State, played a great game against USC his senior year, um, and, and then was drafted six overall, and I understood the move. Like, th- this is one of those situations where not only Justin Herbert comes in to an organization that didn't necessarily need, need him to be in this position. Obviously, the unfortunate circumstance with Tyrod Taylor created him an avenue and, a, and gave him an opportunity to play, and he's 
damn sure took full advantage of it. But Justin Herbert came in with the confidence of playing in this league because he's athletic. And he was also being mentioned as the first overall draft pick um, after his junior year. So, yeah, you could say, well, he, he may, might have not lived up to that building in college, which I think a lot of what they did systematically had something to do with it. But the, the success he's having right now, I didn't know it would be this good, G, but I figured he'll be a really good player at some point in the NFL. Yeah. And look, there are no moral victories in pro football, but to have gone basically toe-to-toe with Tom Brady, Drew Brees, and Patrick Mahomes in three of his first four starts and, and play almost all of them, basically play them all to a standstill, is pretty good. All right, one more for you, Swagoo. My, my, yeah, yeah. It's a, moral vic- it's a moral victory when it comes to this. When you have yeah. the quarterback six and you see him go out and compete against the great, and every single time, Here's the thing people got to remember. I know you're ready to move on. He's mm-hmm. giving them the opportunity to win these games. Not that not that they haven't been able to close it out and get it done. He should have got a win last night, obviously. You make the damn field goal, the game over. Mm-hmm. But he's giving them an opportunity to win these games, not just keep them in it, not just play along and, you know, wait for something good to happen. That, was, that drive at the end of the game, where Mike Williams got stopped, yeah, you could you could nitpick and say the pass should have been in front and he got a first down. Justin Herbert was putting together a drive that at least go tie the game up. That's where he was. That ain't where we thought he was going or what we thought he was going to do. That's where he was. He made the play downfield to Mike Williams to give them a chance to win the game. So I think I think it's important that we decipher between going head to head with these guys and losing. He's done his job in regard to giving them a chance to win the game. So I, I'm I'm more I'm more in on Justin Herbert because of that, as opposed to him making really good throws. And that was also last night without Keenan Allen. So the key is playing and great Austin Eckler, yeah, and and, and, and Austin Eckler who's also yeah. hurt. Yeah, that's a pretty good and team. Brian I mean, the truth is that yeah, yeah. And Trey and um Trey um Turner, like this this kid playing great with 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 odds stacked against him, and initially coming out of the gate, odds were stacked against him because he didn't find out he was playing the damn game until the game had started. We, Greedy we and Marcus Spears, really, really really special right now, man. No question. Yeah, he's off to a great start, and and I think we like what we've seen from. From your guy, Joe Burrow, and hopefully soon we'll see Tua Tonga-Vailoa as well. So we've got some good young quarterbacks in the league to be watching. All right, I, what I really wanted to ask you about here today, Swagu, is the situation with Dak Prescott. Anyone who, who knows Marcus, you were a former Cowboy. You lived in Dallas for many years. You're very close to that team and that situation. And when he first got hurt, you saw all the tweets, all the, the former players and all the fans out there saying, Jerry Jones, you better do right by Dak here. You better take care of Dak. Jerry Jones, you better do the right thing. I guess my question to you, Marcus, is does Jerry Jones and do the Cowboys owe Dak Prescott anything based on these circumstances? No, nah, they don't owe him anything. Um, and, and here's the, that's the unfortunate part. It sounds harsh, but that's the reality, see? Um, players are, look, let's get the business. Players are commodities. As long as you can help me win, as long as you're doing your job at a high level, you get compensated. Ain't nobody doing no favors. Jerry might let Dak around the facility and be great to sit in the box at games. 
Um, he might feel like he owe him that. But as far as giving him $150 million, $200 million over some some term of a deal, oh, he, don't, he doesn't owe him that until he sees that he's healthy. I felt like he owed it to him because of the way he played before this injury. But everybody want to get – and, G, you know me, I get crushed for this sometimes because I'm supposed to be sensitive and I'm supposed to look at this from a very optimistic point of view. My optimistic point of view ended when we talked about this damn situation for a year and a half. That's when mm-hmm. my optimism died on Dak Prescott and this contract negotiation. And you mean to tell me, and, and, and you and I said and had conversation after conversation, when is the last time you have a franchise quarterback that did not get a deal done? I'm waiting on somebody to tell me when – the last time that happened. And then I can we can go from there, okay? The second thing is this. It's so convenient to say, yeah, Dak is the future, and we're going to pay Dak, and we're going to take care of Dak. You said that already, too. That was already <laughs> safe. So now everybody, because this man suffered a, 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 a catastrophic injury, which he can come back from, we think – He's going to come back the same. Don't know, No one knows that right now. And because everybody is sending the outpour of affection and love, yeah, let's all say the right thing. Like, we, know, we knew Dak was a damn fighter before this injury happened because he carried this team. We knew Dak could play quarterback before the injury happened because they were winning games, and he was a catalyst for it. They were dealing with a lot of issues this year. And if Dak wouldn't have been the quarterback for the Cowboys, they, they not only would be 0-4, we would be talking worse about them. All of these things were happening before the injury started, but not, before the injury happened. But now that the injury happened, it's this damn epiphany that Dak is a great quarterback and his leadership is unquestioned and he's the future. What? I'm not buying it, Pete. They can sell that bag of goods to a lot of other people in our industry, and everybody else can talk about it and be good in their feelings. You know from day one I said Dak shouldn't have showed up, and that's a part of onus. That's, some of the onus is on him and his team signing the franchise tag and coming to play. But I can see it when you only made $4 million over four years and you're about to make 31 and you're back against the wall because you're not getting the deal you want to get done, which is no excuse. I still would have told him to go to Cabo, chill out, we'll see what they do. The, the the Cowboys signed Andy Dalton with that in mind. That was why that was why that was that signing happened. That signing happened, and and yeah, it's a good signing because Andy Dalton been a starter. He's played a long time, but that signing happened because the contract situation was up in the air. It was not signed because they thought Dak would fracture his ankle. So I don't give a damn what nobody else talking about with all of these <laughs> kumbaya and these messages, and Dak should get taken care of. That should have been taken care of. We always want to revisit when something bad happens. Well, why didn't you do all this when the good stuff was happening, G? When he was showing you that he was the franchise guy. When he was showing you he was a better quarterback than the, than Jared Goff and Carson Wentz who got paid. When he was showing you all of this, why wasn't this same energy applied to getting his deal done? But now his ankle broke. And you don't know if he's going to return the same, but he's the future. And we know he's a fighter. And we back it. We're going to pay back and we're going to get it done. Man, please. It's not happening until <laughs> it happens, G. I'm not turning my page on that. When Dak signed the deal and it's under the terms that both of them agree to and both parties happy, that's when I'll say it worked out. 
But until then, I don't care about who say something good about Dak being the future of the Cowboys. The great Marcus Spears, Dan Orlovsky, Laura Rutledge, Mina Kimes and company every weekday, 4 o'clock Eastern on ESPN with NFL Live today leading into a special Tuesday night football game, which will be on CBS. Thank you, Swagoo. I'll see you soon. My brother, as always, love you. You too. The best. Marcus Spears. Uh, great fun this morning and then here with me. Delighted to have Marcus here. And he's right. And, and look, at, at what you owe someone, it is a fascinating question. Do the Cowboys owe the player anything? I, I, I give you an example. I come back to this a lot. But sometimes when you do right by a player, you wind up doing wrong by the franchise. Now, this would not be an example like that. But here's the one I always remember. When the New York Jets traded for Brett Favre, they did so during training camp. It was right as the preseason games were starting. Um, it was right around my birthday, which is the first week of August. And Chad Pennington had been their quarterback for a long time and had been a great soldier there and had been a great Jet. He, he was a player that uh, he's not going to go down as one of the great players in history, but the, the, the fans of that team really loved him. And I think that the organization loved him. He had just been a good player and a very, very good person for that organization for a long time. And to their credit, to some degree, they wanted to do right by him. So rather than keeping him as a backup or trading him somewhere, if they could have, they just gave him his release. They just released Chad Pennington. They let him go. And what he did was he signed with a team in the division, the Miami Dolphins. He won comeback player of the year and led the Dolphins to a division title, beating the Jets late in the season along the way to make the playoffs. So you ask yourself, did the Jets do the right thing? Sometimes you're doing the wrong thing by doing the right thing. Now, this is not, I don't want to confuse the two. This is not an apples-to-apple situation. I believe they should have signed Dak before, and I still believe that they should and ultimately will. And I think a lot of the concern for Dak, while understandable, is not really going to wind up being necessary. He's going to get franchised again. There's no circumstances under which they're just letting him walk. And once he does, he will have made 69, 68 point something million dollars over this two-year stretch. So that might be a little bit less than he would have gotten otherwise. But at the end of the day, if he gets paid $68 million, he's doing okay. So do they owe him that? I, I really don't know how to quantify owe him. I think it is in their best interest to get something done. It's in his best interest to get something done. The best outcome for everyone involved is if Dak Prescott remains the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. A couple of things I need to mention to you here. One of them, the baseball playoffs are here on ESPN Radio. Two games today. National League game is six Eastern, coast to coast. Again, Clayton Kershaw, a late scratch with back spasms. And then the late game is game three of the ALCS, Houston and Tampa Bay. All of it's on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. The other thing I will mention is that the latest edition of my podcast, we drop a new edition every Tuesday. And I'm thrilled to tell you that my guest today, this, my podcast is called I'm Interested, and I do long-form interviews. And this entire fall, I'm interviewing legendary sports voices, the chroniclers of sports. And the one that is available to you now is my conversation with Marv Albert. And it's about 45 minutes of Marv telling unbelievable stories about the NBA in the 70s through Magic and Larry, through 
obviously all the Michael Jordan years right up to the present. We also talk at great length about his relationship with David Letterman and all of the stuff that he did on the Letterman show. And Marv is just funny and um, and and as good with this stuff as anybody. And as I've said to him, and I say it in the interview, um, if you ask me what does basketball sound like as a kid who grew up in New York listening to him do Nick games, it sounds like Marv Albert's voice. So if you get a chance, wherever you get your podcasts, it's called I'm Interested, and this week the guest is Marv Albert. Okay, uh, coming up next, it is time for the airing of grievances. If you're a football fan like me, then you have grievances, like I do. I want to hear them. 888-SAY-ESPN is the phone number. 888-SAY-ESPN. Your calls are next, right here with Greeny on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more More than than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets but expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Grainy with you. Again, something else to keep an eye on as we work our way forward here towards the NFL trade deadline. Rich Samini covers the Jets. This may be something that at this point is only of interest to me, but he is confirming the report I mentioned earlier that the Jets are indeed trying to trade Le'Veon Bell. I don't know if anyone is interested in Le'Veon Bell. I don't have any way of telling you if he can still play. Samini's tweet is the Jets are trying to trade disgruntled running back Le'Veon Bell. He has approximately $6 million guaranteed on this year's salary, which makes it tough. Trading deadline is October 29th. I'll get a little more into that as we continue here. That it does... It, I think it does speak to something much larger than the player himself. I also will remind you, you can download the DraftKings app and use my name, Greeny, as the code. You'll get a free shot at millions of dollars up for grabs this week with your first deposit. Minimum $5 deposit is required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Bubba, hit it. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now... You're going to hear about it. All right. Every single day we have a different theme for your calls. And and, uh, my favorite is when we do the airing of grievances. If you're a football fan like me, then you have grievances like I do. And this is your chance to air them. Mario, you are first up with Greeny. Mario, air your grievance. Hey, how you doing, Mr. Greenberg? Uh, I'll just, you know, the Chargers are playing pretty well despite all our injuries. But it seems maybe our coaching is not being able to change up game plans enough to get us over that hump and letting these teams come back and actually beat us you keep losing these heartbreaking games 
I'm not going to lie to you. You had Tampa. It looked like dead to rights. You had the Saints last night dead to rights. You had a chance against the Chiefs, and you punted the ball to Mahomes in overtime, which I would not have done. I was critical of it the following day on Get Up. We had mixed opinion in, re- in reaction. I think Anthony Lynn is a good coach. I think that um, that, that that is, um, you know, you have to remember that this is a team that was terrible last year, and you're playing a rookie quarterback without a full preseason and all the rest of that. I, I understand your frustration because you keep losing these heartbreaking games. But Marcus just said here, to some degree, there are moral victories. And I feel like you've sort of had some. I, I, so I get the way you're feeling, Mario, and I respect the grievance. But I actually think in the big picture, things are going better than you think. Ryan, you're next up on ESPN Radio. Ryan, air your grievance. Hey, Greeny. First time, long time. Yes. Thank you, Ryan. Hey, don't be afraid to invite the big guy in for a guest spot. And speaking of his old team, the Eagles, I have grievances. When I watch these games and see D, uh, DJ Metcalf making huge plays, um, CD Lamb, and the kid from uh, all these other great wide receivers, and the Eagles have a group of JV guys trying their best. The guy Fulcrum, 152-yard game, awesome. But my general manager can't draft a good wide receiver we have the scrappy jeffrey and jackson that are constantly injured they haven't played in ages i'm so frustrated ryan thank you for the i'm having a little trouble hearing you the cell is not so good but i get the gist of what you're saying you know there are these teams that all of a sudden you find yourself with these second round receivers I'm not going to go too crazy on Chase Claypool, but I mean, this, this past Sunday felt like the coming out party for him. And Ryan Clark said to me on TV, Chase Claypool is about to become the number one receiver in Pittsburgh and Juju is going to be number two. Chase Claypool was a second round pick. DK Metcalf right now is in the discussion with the best receivers in the sport and how the, the entire league missed on him. I have no idea. Let me tell you a quick DK Metcalf story. Right before he got drafted, like in the lead up to that draft, he was one of the players that sort of went around and did the rounds and he came into our studio at Get Up. And when he walked in the door, he was just wearing a dress shirt and, um, and, and, you know, no jacket or sweater or anything like that. And I I said out loud to someone, who's the linebacker? Because I didn't know who that, you know, each day we had a different player coming in. And they said, no, that's the receiver, DK Metcalf. He's a monster. If you saw him, you would never believe he's a receiver. So how the league, the entire league missed on him, I have no idea because he suddenly looks like he's one of the two or three best receivers in the sport. So you say to yourself, how is it that the Eagles just never seem to get it right at that position? I get it. I get your frustration. It feels like it's been a while since they have, and it's kind of hard to evaluate exactly where Carson Wentz is because it feels like you don't really have the weapons for him to be the difference-making quarterback. He feels like he should be. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio with the airing of grievances. Henry, you're next. Air your grievance, Henry. Yeah, I'm just a little bit. I, I, I want people to recognize that Andy Dalton is waiting in the wings, and it's not all about Dak. Like Marcus said, people get hurt during the game. Things happen. And I believe that Andy Dalton is waiting for this moment. And there are secret people waiting there for this to happen. And what's going to happen if he comes out and throws for 400 yards and three touchdowns and win the game? And Jerry Jones is forced to make a decision. I know Dak needs to get paid, and I understand the contract thing, but I'm talking about a competitor standpoint for a guy who led Cincinnati. He was no slouch. That's all I'm saying. And I, I really support Andy Dalton. I love Dak Prescott, 
but I'm a competitor and competitor first. And I think he's waiting in the wings to show everybody something. You know, Henry, it's a good point. When Andy Dalton signed with Dallas, we made a very big deal of it on Get Up, and I will tell you why. Or I will remind you of why he signed there. Andy Dalton would have had other offers in other places where he would have had a better chance to be the starter, which he was not going to be in Dallas but for injury, and he would have gotten paid more money. But he's a kid from the area, and with the coronavirus and all the uncertainty, he took the opportunity to be closer to home, thinking it would be comfortable. He took less money and a situation where he had less of an opportunity to start. You don't need me to tell you Andy Dalton is more than capable of being a a high-quality NFL starting quarterback. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Dak Prescott. But he's good. So I do not – whatever the Cowboys do for the remainder of the season, I don't think if it's bad, it'll be because their quarterback can't play. He can play. They have as good – that was as good a backup as there is in the NFL, certainly as proven and as good a situation. Now, I think what you're hinting at, Henry, is – the question of what happens if he really plays great. Let's say Dalton has a huge second half. Let's say they start winning games like crazy. Let's say they make a little noise in the playoffs. Then what happens? It's a good question. We obviously don't know the answer. And let's let that situation play itself out. I don't expect it mostly because the defense is so bad. Today's edition of What's on Your Mind is brought to you by My Computer Career Training for a Better Life. Today it is the airing of grievances. I have time for at least one more. Brendan, you're next with Greeny on ESPN Radio. Brendan, air your grievance. Thanks for taking my call. I also agree that Andy Dalton can do some good for us, but we need to solve that defense. Now, why that goes down Sunday and we do not call Earl Thomas on Monday is frustrating. We need to fix that defense so Dalton doesn't have to put up 39 points a game just to stay a contender. It's a good point. The defense is terrible. Whether Earl Thomas is the answer or not, I'm not 100% sure, but it can't get worse so I'm with you. Trying anything is better than trying nothing. That win on Sunday, look, obviously it feels like a loss because the quarterback gets hurt and that was a terrible moment. But also, the Cowboys were very fortunate to beat the Giants, who are not only winless, but have looked so anemic offensively. If you watch the Giants play week in, week out, they have had no offense. And they scored 30 points against the Cowboys and had two touchdowns called back. Both of them, I thought, on fairly questionable calls. One was a fake field goal, but the Cowboys had no idea it was coming. You've never seen a team less prepared for a fake, and and it gets called back. And then you had a touchdown. You had a a receiver running all by himself. They called it a pick route, which I did not think, you know, an offensive interference. I did not think that it was a good call, and Tony Romo didn't think it was a good call one way or another. They had two other touchdowns erased. What I'm trying to say is that the Dallas defense is hopelessly bad unbelievably bad so i agree try something it's better than nothing because even at two and three you bet you are in the driver's seat in that division the schedule sets up nicely the eagles have to play baltimore this week the other two teams washington and the giants are way 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 worse than you are so dallas still has a lot to play for they have a a, a pro quarterback a legit quarterback who can take care of things for them uh, I agree. Go find something you can do if there is anything out there to do for your defense. Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance, offering coverage options as unique as your business. Progressive covers companies of many sizes and specialties. Learn more at ProgressiveCommercial.com. Coming up next, I will tell you what today's edition of Terrible News really means for one franchise. 
That's next. I'm Greeny, and this is ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Back and better than ever, Greeny, as I continue here on ESPN Radio. And every day I bring you a fascinating stat brought to you by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. And today's fascinating stat is the number two, which is the number of players the New York Jets had at the beginning of this season who most people would have considered to be among the best in their position in the National Football League and well-known. And both of them have now made themselves difficult enough that they're getting themselves sent out of town. Jamal Adams has been traded away from the Jets, and Le'Veon Bell is now trying to do the same thing, putting up Twitter tantrums so he can get himself traded away from playing for the New York Jets. And Rich Samini, who covers the Jets for us, joins me for a brief moment here because I just want to get the insight on this. Samini is tired of hearing from me off the air because I'm constantly sending him notes about all of my frustrations. So, Rich, uh, the least I can do is allow you to you know, have this conversation with me on the air. What can you tell me about this situation with Le'Veon? Well, yeah, uh, Greeny, it kind of deteriorated the last couple of days. You know, uh, Le'Veon was obviously unhappy the way he was used in Sunday's game against Arizona and uh, didn't talk to the media after the game or yesterday, which is a violation of the league media policy. But he has used Twitter, as, as he's done in the past, and as Jamal did, as you noted. And he clearly wants out. And uh, I think the Jets are going to, I think they're very motivated to make that happen. Quite frankly, I think they've been motivated to do that for a year. This marriage has been on the rocks from day one when it became known that Adam Gase was not in favor of signing Le'Veon Bell. So it was really doomed from the start. I mean, the dysfunction of that is so overwhelming, it's almost impossible to put into words, and it's all I can do not to just scream or bite this microphone in front of me. So instead of that, I will just ask you a reasonable question, Rich, which is what, if anything, would you imagine someone is willing to trade for Le'Veon Bell right now? Well, I mean, you're talking about a running back who's, what, 28 years old now, who's averaged only 3.3 yards per carry over the last one and a quarter seasons. So there's not a great demand for a player like that. Plus, he's got $6 million guaranteed remaining on this year's contract. So it's going to take some creativity. Uh, The Jets will probably have to eat a lot of that money. I would guess they might be willing to eat half of it to send him away, uh, and then the other team would pick up the other $3 million. Even that's a lot of money for a team to pick up for a running back of that ilk. 
So maybe they have to include some draft choices in it to try to sweeten the deal. But I think the best the Jets could get is probably a late-round pick, which is kind of unbelievable when you think about it. But I think they'd be willing to pay money to send him away and only get a late-round pick in return, which really is quite telling. It is. Again, it is telling enough that when the show ends in four minutes, I'm going to smash my head into a wall. But rather than do that now, I will ask you another reasonable question, which is for all the fans out there who might be wondering if they want Le'Veon Bell on their team, is there any way to tell you're closer to much closer to the situation than I am what he still has left, which is to say he's gotten to show almost none of it. But in my view, he's been very uncreatively used and they have a terrible offensive line. Um, so I don't think he's really had the ability to show anybody what he still has left. Is there any way to know what he still has left? Can he help a team if he winds up somewhere else this year? I think he's clearly lost a step from his last season in Pittsburgh. He doesn't have that burst anymore. You saw it on the the third and one play when they tried to run him outside on Sunday. He didn't have the speed to get to the corner. So he is not the same Le'Veon Bell. I agree with you they could have utilized him more in the passing game because he has a unique skill set. When he's split out, he's almost like a wide receiver. And I think that has been underutilized. But in terms of just being a runner, I think he's got to get to a team with a really good offensive line. Maybe he goes back to Pittsburgh. He didn't know how good he had it there. You know, he wanted to get out and chasing the money, and he really left a really comfortable situation there in Pittsburgh. He needs a good offensive line because he does not make players miss anymore. And so he needs as much help as he can get. All right, we'll see where he winds up. Rich, tell the truth. When you see the te- when, when your when your phone vibrates and you see the text is for me, do you or do you not roll your eyes? No, I, I kind of expect them <laughs> on the, the fantasy stuff. My suggestion, my fantasy tip for this week would probably not to play Bell. <laughs> I think I think uh, LaMichael P. Ryan is going to have a much bigger role going forward. Uh, well, so we all have that to look forward to. Thank you very much, Rich Semini. I appreciate it. We will check in again. That's my friend Rich Semini, who covers the Jets extremely well, has covered them for a very long time. And, and look, Le'Veon Bell, let's, let's try and, and make this something that everyone will be interested in. Le'Veon Bell, when he, when last seen on an actual NFL team, was a more productive receiver than Chris Carter or Michael Irvin and a more productive runner than OJ Simpson. He was both a Hall of Fame receiver and a Hall of Fame runner. The question is, what, if any of that, does he have left? And the answer is, obviously, I don't know. I agree with Rich's assessment that when you watch him, he just doesn't look right. He doesn't look like the unstoppable player that we've seen him be in the past. But who knows if he... Um, how much of that is the way he's being utilized, how much of it is a terrible offensive line, how much of it is an offensive philosophy that I don't I mean, I don't even know what it is to call it a philosophy would be an insult to offensive philosophy everywhere. Um, I don't know, but I guess what I'm saying is if you hear that your team is considering trading for Le'Veon Bell, my honest opinion is if all you get have to give up is like a fifth or sixth round pick for him, I would do it. If I'm a good team this year, and you get a motivated Le'Veon Bell to come in there, I, I think he helps you make a difference. He may not be the superstar that he once was, but I think he makes a difference for your team. I think you should be happy if you hear your team has traded for Le'Veon Bell. We'll see if that happens. Trade deadline's a few weeks away. This was a fun day. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. I'll see you first thing tomorrow morning for Get Up on ESPN, and then right back here, same time, same place, Greeny on ESPN Radio. 
Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can get more from Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN News. And don't miss Greeny on Get Up every morning at 8 Eastern on ESPN. Greeny, the podcast. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.